any of you there. Did you see what I saw? That is, of course, somewhat rhetorical. I know you couldn't have been there. I'd remember you. Well, maybe some of you. But it is impossible that you can comprehend the miracle of what I saw with my own eyes or understand the magnitude of what it meant for all eternity. For starters, when you talk about the arrival of the Magi, or the wise men, you picture a small assemblage gathered around a manger in a stable behind an inn in Bethlehem. Actually, you don't even picture me. Pop quiz, how many Magi arrived? Anyone throw out a number? Three. Everyone says three. They say three. It, it doesn't say that. Nobody wrote that. Anyway. So, you've even given them cute little names. Malchior, Balthazar, and Gaspar. Or, I'm sorry, as you would say it, Hasper. <laughs> well, my name is Chandahar Manazic Lamonikai, the third. <laughs> but after seeing what you did with Gaspar's name, you can call me Chip. <laughs> when we began our journey, I was the fourth to join. There were others after me, but I never got a full count. You see, we didn't just stroll across Asia all by ourselves. My entourage was 16. And I was traveling light compared to some of them. It was truly a kingly affair. A great pilgrimage from the halls of Zoroaster all the way to the front room of Judea and beyond. You see, I'm a Magus. That's the correct singular version of Magi. I haven't heard that one from you guys. I've walked the courts of kings and sultans. I have visited all of the great libraries. I'm a watcher of the stars and a diviner of truth from a long line of people who watch the stars to impart knowledge and divine truth. I have been sought out for counsel from rulers across the great desert and beyond. I have amassed wealth and power and reputation, and I am not easily impressed. I have seen the miracles of court magicians and the magics of the desert nomads. All that can be read and studied of miracles, I have learned. And then the star appeared. It rose from the east and stopped in the sky, shining brilliantly, illuminating something. And I knew, I knew it was the star of prophecy, and it herald, heralded the arrival of a king, a great king. From the moment that that star appeared, the Magi, the scholars, and all who considered themselves wise, gathered. And they theorized, and they debated, and they argued, and decided nothing. When several of our numbers set out to find the king, I raced after to join them. From the day the star appeared until we crossed the border into Judea, more than a year had passed. As you might imagine, our lordly cohort, renowned Magi, drew some attention, and we entered the court of King Herod, ruler of Judea. 
He was a lavish host who spared no expense to entertain and impress, even to the detriment of his courtiers, who all seemed to fear him. We asked him where we could find the great new king of the Jews, and he listened with great interest as we told him all that we knew of prophecy and the star. And he seemed very interested that we knew that the star heralded the arrival of the new king of the Jews. So he listened and he spoke. And then he demanded that we return after continuing through his kingdom to find the new king so that he too could go and pay homage. So after a celebration and a revelry fitting for guests of our station, we continued into Judea following the path of the star. We proceeded to a small town leading through narrow streets, entourage stretching many turns behind us, somewhat at a loss for where this star was actually taking us to. It's not quite what we expected. And so we arrived at a small house on a narrow street, a very humble and simple appearance. It wasn't the most meager house on the street, and it wasn't the most grand. It was altogether ordinary. And after an exchange of looks, I stepped forward and I knocked on the door. The young woman answered. She was smiling, retired. And as I followed her words to explain the sudden arrival of dozens of people at her small home unannounced, I unintentionally let the silence drag on with awkwardness. She smiled and knowingly said, You come to see him. She steps aside, and as I looked past her, I saw a small boy, somewhere between one and two. He looked up at me, and the crowd gathered behind. And there's so much I can't tell you about that moment. I can tell you that time seemed to stand still. I can tell you that the entire gathered throng of people who had all been talking and shuffling fell silent all at once. The weight of that boy's gaze is beyond my ability to articulate. It carried authority beyond the sages of scholars and the most powerful of kings. He was at the same time small, young, and of entirely average appearance, but also somehow radiated strength and mightiness. I have been considered an important man my entire life, assured of my station and confident in my esteemed worth. But in this moment, first time laying eyes on this child, a king of kings, I knew that everything I measured myself by, my wealth, my favor with kings, my reputation, the assurity of my station, all meant nothing next to this. My resume of achievements that I held so dear means nothing. And from this moment, for the rest of my life, the most significant thing that I've done, or ever would do, the thing that would define the rest of my life, is that I was here now, in the presence of this king, in the light of heaven's star, and he saw me. In that moment that he turned his gaze toward the gathered crowd, all at once, and without a word, we, every one of us, until now, devout followers of Zoroastrian, Zoroastrianism or some other of the Eastern religions dropped to our knees and bowed. 
struck silent with awe. My old faith was dead and instant. I was overcoming, or overcome with dwelling praises and worship. I did worship them. The following events were times and dreamlike, and I could not guess whether it was minutes, hours, or outside of time altogether. In perfect, silent, undirected order, the Magi one by one presented their gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh among them. The golden starlight gilded the streets of the throne room, and the gentle breeze seemed to carry their voices, many voices, declaring glory and praise. At some point, without word or direction, we silently withdrew, and the woman closed the door, and we again found ourselves looking at a narrow street, lined with simple houses, on a cool night in the middle of the day. Still too overcome for words or conversations, we wandered off back the way we came. After finding provisions for the night, we were all accosted with the same horrifying dream. We saw visions of severe angels warning us of the dire intentions that King Herod had for this new king, followed by awful images of the genocide of many children. We all had the same dream, and in deference to the warning, we unanimously agreed to not follow through on King Herod's demands and return to him, and instead traveling back on a different road. On this different road, upon passing through a small town called Bethlehem, some of us happened on some shepherds gathered at the outskirts of town. And they, seeing a group of wandering, awestruck foreigners, much too well-dressed to be appropriate for the region, invited us to come sit by their fire. We tried to describe the miraculous events that we were just part of. And after many bumbling attempts and failing, they simply smiled and said, we know. And they told us of their strange glorious night more than a year ago. And not wanting to let the moment pass, we let them lead us to a small stable in the early stages of disrepair where they recounted their experience with the infant family. Now, to commemorate the moment, we did pose at the stable for a group photo, <laughs> which, in retrospect, is probably why you have the impression of the nativity that you currently do. And I did get stuck holding the camera, which is why you probably don't know about the Magnus chip. <laughs> I know you weren't there. And I know that my words have fallen woefully short of capturing the majesty of encountering our Lord in that moment. But in truth, you are the lucky ones. You see, you were all born into his victory. I encountered the child of Jesus before his ministry began. You have all inherited his kingdom. Victory declared, sin and death have been defeated for you. And by your faith in him, you have all had your sins washed clean, and you are all free to live fully in the peace and assurance of that victory. The King of Kings, so I met as a child, for you has sent his Holy Spirit to write the law on your hearts, that you may participate every single day of your lives in his glory. I cherish my moment in his presence for a lifetime, but you can experience his presence every moment of yours. I was blessed for my glimpse of that, but for you, even now as I'm speaking, his perfect divine presence.
that exists within you to lead, comfort, and bless you as fully as you will allow it. You were there, but you are now. As we prepare our hearts for communion, let us bow our heads. I ask that the living presence of Jesus Christ overwhelms our doubts, our fears, our shame, pride, distraction, and every other lie that we tell ourselves to justify pushing away from his freely offered grace. Let us put aside all the barriers that we create or allow in our minds, telling us that our God is far away, or that we will encounter Jesus sometime in the future on the day of our death. We live today in the midst of God's creation, surrounded by his true presence, and Jesus Christ is alive in this world and in all of our hearts right now, freely offering peace, love, and grace if we will only accept it. I pray that today, as we remember his death and resurrection, participating in communion, that our Lord Jesus Christ will open our eyes to his living presence and open our hearts to his complete peace today. I pray this in his name. As you're seated there, I just want you to invite you to go ahead and continue to close your eyes in just this moment of reflections as our, our deacons come forward uh, to prepare for communion at this time. I just want to encourage you to just right where you're seated to, to close your eyes in a moment here of reflection as we prepare uh, for communion. Our, as our wise man demonstrated and had a moment where someone from a different from a different religion from a different origin that had no significant reason to be looking for the king of kings and lord of lords to be looking for a child to be born but he was directed to divine intervention through divine intervention that at one moment he had to recognize who he was in comparison to the king of kings and the lord of lords and he bowed down and worshiped him Church, this is what we are here this morning for, to understand what worship is, that, that we go throughout much of, of, of our lives, much of our days being consumed with just that next thing and, and, and consumed with the things that we need. And in moments, we, we, we have to be reminded that we are here first to serve you. So whatever it is, if we can play some, some music back there, whatever it is we can do in, in our hearts at this moment, to, to prepare for communion in your own way, I want to encourage you to bow down. In your own way as we prepare for communion, let's bow down and worship Him. First Corinthians 11 verse 23 says that the Lord Jesus on the night He was betrayed he took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me in the same way after supper he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood and do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes this time as you're ready, 
I'll be going through and dismissing each row and inviting you to come forward and partake. As I'm standing here and dismissing, if you would need prayer for anything, it would be my privilege uh, to pray with you. Again, if you are in need of uh, the uh, plastic cups and have not received, Pam is going to be uh, passing. Just just lift up your hand if you're needing a plastic cup. Anybody needing one? Did everybody get theirs? Okay. All right, Pam, I think we're okay. All right, at this time, we'll prepare our hearts for communion, and I'll begin uh, dismissing you row by row.
Will you join me as we close with a word of prayer this morning? Well, Lord, thank you for these moments when we can find ourselves in the middle of this nativity story. We sing of these things and we, 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 we share these stories each year, but sometimes we need to be reminded of the, the truth of, of what took place, but, the tr- but more importantly, the truth of what it means to us now. We have, there have been many people throughout the course of history that have had many ideas, many ways of knowing, and then it all come to, to a point where they realized they had to bow down to the true King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And Lord, we can find ourselves leaning on our own agenda, leaning on our own assumptions, but yet we hear the voice of God calling us to return to truth and that your yoke is easy, your burden is light. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for your peace uh, that is available to us. May we continue, as the wise men did, with all of their ideas and agendas, to bow down and place you first. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as we depart today, we invite you to stand. May now uh, you go uh, this morning and this week, not just maybe not just physically, but also spiritually, bowing down to the true King of Kings and Lord of Lords and placing him first in your life and finding the power that guides and sustains you. Grace and peace to you. Have a wonderful week.